So many owners open their shops with the dream of doing auto repair the right way, being an asset to their community, having free time with their families, and having the ability to create a financial legacy. In reality, so many find themselves working long days, are struggling to find and keep good staff, and can barely pay the bills. Since 2016, the fastest growing automotive repair coaching company, ShopFix Academy's sole purpose is to stop the average small business from destroying the average family. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com. I've worked for organizations that have strict sets of rules, and even when something's wrong, you still have to follow the rule, and it just never made sense to me. So in this instance, you know, I'll take right over following the rules every day. This is Success Leaves Clues, an automotive industry podcast, and I'm your host, Thomas Hayes. From a young age, we are taught to follow the rules. We're told, follow the rules or there'll be consequences. Follow the rules at all costs. So many people make that their mantra and stick to their rules, no matter what. But what happens when the rules don't make sense? What happens when new information is introduced to a situation that makes you question the rules? Well, today's guest, Kevin Roth, owner of Kevin's Auto Repair Service in Suarezville, Pennsylvania, has made being curious and breaking the rules a cornerstone of his shop's culture. Today on the show, he'll share the wild story that started this journey for him and reveal some killer clues along the way. So stick around. Here's our conversation. An effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability, which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top-performing repair shops use for managing their online presence, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me effortlessly increases your car count with a strategic combination of killer websites, high-converting Google ads, traffic-driving social media posts, and more. Reach them by text or call at 888-953-2379 or visit them online at leadsnearme.com. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. Kevin. Yes, sir. Welcome to the show. Happy to have you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I've known you for a long time. Uh, I know a lot of your story, but for those that don't know you, who are you? What kind of shop do you have? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Kevin Roth. I was a career-long technician. Um, in 2014, I bought out my owner. I uh, was able to transition into a shop owner, which was a bit of a struggle for a while, trying to figure out how to go from technician to leading a team of people. So that was a little difficult, but we made it through those transitions. We've upgraded buildings. We're, uh, we're currently uh, based out of Swearsville, Pennsylvania. So Awesome. Yeah. What kind of numbers are you doing right now? Uh, currently sitting around 170, 180 a month. Nice. Yeah. Very nice, man. With a four-man technician team. Wow. Yeah. All right. Pulling some good numbers. You, yeah. You've got some clout. Yeah. These guys are good. That's so great. I have a really great team. That's awesome, man. Uh, and that doesn't surprise me. You know, you and I were chatting before uh, you came on and, and you, you were telling me about, you know, some of the things that you do with your team to be able to to build that great team and have that great culture. And one of the concepts that you brought up, I really would like to dive into, and that's this concept 
of being curious with your team. You told me this really great story. I'd love to explore that. So tell us some background. Let's dive into that story you told me. So uh, in 2014, I did it for myself for a couple of years, and uh, it was really struggling in 16 to keep up. It was just myself and my wife at that time. You Meaning you were turning wrenches? Yes. Yeah. So I was in the back. I would do the quoting, and she would sell. And uh, basically, yeah, it was just uh, it was too much. We started to have to add on staff. So with that, we hired a, uh, a kid out of a tech school. Um, he was doing a co-op program where he would come in, and he would do uh, half days with us. So we ran out those two years, uh, the last two years of his high school. He finally, uh, right after he graduated, he came out with us full time. Um, he graduated when he was 17 years old. And then he went on, he had his 18th birthday somewhere in that fall. Uh, shortly after he turned 18, he moved out of his parents' house. And we started noticing some issues with him coming in late, being tardy. He was still a great person, had no, uh, no other real issues. His work was on point, but we just couldn't get him there on time. How often was it happening? Uh, at first, it was once or twice a week. Um, then that's a good amount. We had a discussion about it, and you know, he had just said, "You know, I'm sleeping in too much," or I got stuck in traffic. It was. It started becoming some generic excuses, and I kept seeing a pattern. So, uh, what had happened was, you know, I had had to lean on a friend because I didn't have a ton of employee experience at that time. So he said, "Oh, you have to write them up. You have to go through the write-up procedure and actually make it formal." So we did that. We had notified him and let him, we wrote him up the first time. We wrote him up a second time. And at the third write-up, we let him know that in the next 90 days, if you are late or tardy again, with that's unexcusable, um, we're going to have to terminate you. So at each of those times, like I, I, I imagine the first time that you did it, like the very first write-up, it was your first time ever doing a write-up. Oh, absolutely. What was that like? Very nerve-wracking. It felt like it was, uh, you know, like... Um, I just really nervous to be able to go ahead and do it. Um, and then also to confront somebody about their livelihood, the way they pay their bills is tough, you know, trying to hold them accountable. But I realized shortly after that this was one of the keys of growing a su- successful business. Yeah. So in that, that first meeting, like, do you remember what you said and how you said it? First meeting, we went into it really soft. It was just like, hey, man, we need you here on time. We rely on you. You know, we need you here to be here on time every day because we schedule cars to be ready for you. You know, and I, if if that happens, it just throws a wrench in the works and creates a ton of chaos. How did he react? Um, he was actually, he was a really good kid. You could tell he cared. It was just he could not get his act together and get on work on time. So for me, I was making a snap judgment. He, you know, young teen, just turned 18. He moved out. I figured he was partying at night or staying out too late. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that, that ended up not being the case. But So you read, you did the first time, uh, you mentioned there's a few others, you know, the second time you confronted him, like what happened? Um, second time you could tell again, uh, he would, uh, this one, we called him in the office. We followed the write-up procedure, told him again, you know, like if we have to write you up a third time, I, I don't want this to happen. You know, we love having you here. You're a great asset to the team. But like, I, I would ask, is anything wrong? Is there something we could do for you? And it was always, you know, no, 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 it's on me. It's on me. He took full accountability for it. He just wasn't changing anything to make it happen. And uh, really wouldn't allude to what was going on or why he was late. It was always just some generic excuse like, oh, I overslept or, oh, I, you know, I got stuck in traffic and it got me. But there were a couple of times it was 30, 40 minutes that he'd be mm-hmm. rolling in late and running in. And you could tell like he was trying to get there as quickly as possible, but it just he wasn't making the action happen on the front side. He was trying to get there faster on the back side and it didn't work. Yeah. How did you know to ask those questions? Like, was that something you've learned how to do or was it just kind of you? you know, what, what prompted you to dig into why he's doing? So I think a lot of people, you know, maybe even have this attitude of, 
well, it's not my business. You know, it's their business. They need to get their crap together. Like, why were you, why were you different? Um, I really cared about him. Um, you know, we, we grew him from, you know, like his entry level position all the way through and having him come in and now seeing this action happen. I just didn't want him to go down a trail that I've seen a lot of people go through. Even some of my friends, you know, they've, they've just gone through that, that same habit of not getting up on time, being late for everything, not being able to uh, keep a commitment. And uh, it really killed their personal and professional lives. Yeah. How many times before the last time where you confronted him, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, how many times did you write him up at that point? Uh, so we would have been on number two right now. Yeah. And uh, he kept saying, I'm extremely sorry. It won't happen again. I, I promise I'll get my stuff together. I, you know, I just, I just overslept, you know? And yeah. again, that was, that was it. But it almost seemed like something else more was going on. But again, I really didn't like, I just couldn't put my finger on it. I, I had made the assumption that he was out partying or hanging out with his girlfriend too late, something along those lines, doing something. Yeah. Yeah. So then it happened again. Mm -hmm. What's the first thing that came to your head when it happened again? Well, it was about 9.15 and he wasn't there and he didn't answer a phone call. So I was thinking something was really wrong this time because this is the latest he's ever been. And uh, I prepared my basically my write-up sheet. And in there, you know, we like to use the, uh, I was really bad at confrontation at this time. So I had to write everything out that I was going to say, or I'd forget it. So mm -hmm. I always made sure I had a notepad there at my desk so I can go through and just have my bullet points. Cause I always would go through and it would, um, I would forget all the things I wanted to say. I had that conversation in my head really well before, but I wouldn't have a good conversation during. Yeah. So you're, you're prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened again. It was the, the longest time. How long had it been since your first confrontation to, to then the third one? All of this had happened within 45 days. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. it was a lot. Yeah. Um, the From number two to number three was the longest. It was like 20 days in between. Like, I, I thought he was doing very well. but Yeah. So that must have been kind of a, a punch in the gut when it happened the last mm -hmm. time. Yeah. You know, and of course, it never happens on the day where you just have that lull in business. You're always oh, yeah. slammed, crazy busy. You got cars everywhere and you have, you know, four waiters designated for this person. Yeah. And <laughs> so. So he comes in. So you're prepared. You got your write-up sheet. Are you ready to fire him at this point? Uh, no, this was going to be the, the third and final warning as okay. I was trying to use this as my, I've never written an employee yet before. He was the first one, but this was my third and final warning. And we were going to set the expectation that if you're late again within the next 90 days, that's unexcusable. Like, I understand if you get a flat tire or something like that. But, you know, if, if this is unexcusable, we're going to terminate you. Yeah. So so how did he, you, you gave him that write up and you explained that to him. How did he react? He was very upset with himself. <clears throat> he never blamed anybody. He took full responsibility. So this is why, again, it was really hard. If he would have been blaming me, blaming the car, blaming traffic, yeah. it would have been, it, I don't know if it would have prompted the same response from me. But for him, he always took full responsibility. He was a great guy. So what happened next? What happened in that? The next day he was late. <laughs> so the next day. The next day. He came in at 9.03 with his head sunken down. And I didn't even, I was standing in the middle of my shop. Everybody else was looking. And he had already said that oh. if I'm late again in the next 90 days, they're going to terminate me. And everybody loved him. Yeah. So. So when he was late, did you, like, what did that, how, what were you thinking in that moment? 
I had assumed that either it was going to be a substance abuse issue or staying out partying too late. And, you know, because this was, again, it was just after. He was right. fine when he was living with his parents. This has happened right after he moved out, all within three months, three and a half months. Yeah. So how did you confront him this time? He walked in with his head down. I said, hey, come on to my office. I said, you know, I have to, you know, I have to do this. I can't keep having you come in late. And I said, it really does pain me. But in it, like the look on his face, he looked like he was ready to cry, to be honest with you. And it was uh, it was humbling, but also it, it had me. I, I felt for him. You know, I really liked him when he was there. He was a great attitude. Team player would do anything for you. It's just like, why can't you get to work on time? It was killing me. You know, so I just started barraging him with questions. I was going to terminate him and let him go. And you could see like this, this sunken pale look on his face. And I just, I, I went more at it from, uh, I was concerned for him versus concerned for the shop or concerned for anything else. I just kind of was. What really, kind of questions? So I asked him, I kept, I kept telling him, I said, hey, why? I got to know before we end this relationship, why you're late. And uh, he gave me an answer and it, it just, it actually made me ask more questions. But he said, I watch TV at night and. That was it. He just sat there with his head down, like almost like I said, he was just about had tears in his eyes and he was he was trying to keep it together. And I was like, I don't understand that. Are you staying up too late watching TV? Is it is it a problem for you? Like, what do you mean? And he said, no, I usually stay up watching either YouTube videos on my phone or I, you know, I watch TV on my phone. And then he stopped again. And he's like, and I just fall asleep during it. So what does that have to do with you getting up on time? Like, do we need to set a bedtime for you? Like, and I was trying to lighten the mood a little bit with him. Yeah. Just shook his head and he was quiet and like awkward silence for a minute or two. And I said, I can't do this. I can't terminate. I need to know the exact reason you weren't here. It was driving me nuts. And it was uh, at this point now, it was like I was concerned that he had something more. Uh, again, I knew his parents. They mm -hmm. were customers of ours after he started working there. They were great people. I just I couldn't figure out why he would do this. Yeah. So uh, after sitting there a minute or two, he pulls out his cell phone. He's like, you know, I watch, I watch TV on my phone. I can't afford a TV yet. And I said, but still, it doesn't explain to me why you can't get out of bed in the morning. And he said, well, I watch TV and I usually fall asleep and then the phone dies. It still wasn't clicking with me. I wasn't putting <laughs> two and two together. And he goes, so I don't have an alarm. And I was like, well, why don't you set an alarm clock? And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, what are you talking about? And he goes... Oh, you mean the round things with the bells in the top, like in the cartoons? Now, again, I'm thinking at this point, I'm I'm only 28, and he is only 18. He honestly didn't pay attention. His parents used their cell phones for their alarm clocks as long as he ever knew. He got a cell phone when he was 12, so they showed him, this is how you set your alarm clock. So as he moved out and he was 18, he couldn't afford a TV. He couldn't afford cable. He just had a place with probably cheap furniture and he would lay up at night by himself watching TV and he would fall asleep. Phone would die. He had no alarm clock. Never put two and two together that you could just go out and buy a $15 alarm clock. And actually that's what we did that day. Um, we sent him right out then and there. He went out and bought an alarm clock. And from that point on, he was never late again. He worked for us another three and a half years. Um, his fiance got a or what, he got engaged, and then his fiance was promoted to a new position that she could not pass down, and uh, that's when he left us. We still keep in contact today. Wow. It was a really cool story, but like the, the whole discovery of him not realizing what an alarm clock was or ever even seeing a tabletop alarm clock was pretty crazy. Yeah. Did you know that some web design companies use the same wording across all their client sites? Unfortunately, this common practice is noted by Google as plagiarism, which will cause your site to be ranked lower. 
That's why it's critical that whoever makes your shop's website knows better. That's why so many top shops trust Leads Near Me to create and manage their shop's websites. As Google certified partners, they know how to make a top ranking website from an insider's perspective. Get a free site analysis by visiting leadsnearme.com or calling 888-953-2379. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. It it seems like sometimes, you know, when we're as employers, like, you know, we have to follow the process, we have to follow the procedure, but you actually, in the process of the day of the minute of you firing him, you knew I need to dig a little bit deeper. And not only did you uncover the answer, but you let him have another chance. Mm-hmm. Why did you do that? I liked him. Um, like I said, he he was like, a, he was just a guiding light when he came in the shop. He was always in a good mood. He had a great work ethic, but I was following the procedures that I was taught at that time. You know, I really didn't know what, you know, what else to do because, I mean, if I can't get him to come to work on time, everybody else is going to see this. So I'm going to have to terminate him so I don't have everybody else coming in late. Otherwise, it would just be total chaos. Yeah, that makes sense. So how did you deal with that? Like you, you did, in fact, not fire him after everyone knew, here's the expectation if you're late again, he's late again. It's a super public thing. You take him in the office and he walks out and he's not fired. Like, how did you deal with, I don't want to say backpedaling, but. Absolutely. That was a worry of mine, but we just held a team meeting and I basically just went down the list and explained everything with him present there. And, uh, you know, like the technicians, more of the sarcastic joking kind, were just being like, what a goofball. You know, I can't believe you're doing that. Why, why can't you just buy an alarm clock? And we had said, you know, he was the youngest person in the shop at that time. And he just never had or saw one and never even put two and two together that he should go buy one. So it was just odd, but still, nonetheless, a little empathy went a long way there. Yeah. Is there other situations that have come up since then where where that curiosity led to what could have been someone's end being a point of them being able to stay in their role or excel? Absolutely. I mean, I think that kind of changed the way I, I've led from there on out. I don't ever, you know, it the systems and processes are put there to be followed so that we have some kind of guide, but rules are meant to be broken, right? So if we take that and then if I'm just following the rules to follow them, but I have no um, no form behind them, it doesn't make any sense. If I take those rules and I utilize some empathy and I really try to understand it from their point of view and their perspective, it really uh, it, it just brings a whole new light to the thing because everybody's got something going on in their life. Everybody's got something that brings them down. They all have a home life. We all, you know, whether it be spouse, significant other, pets, stuff happens. So rather than waiting until it blows up, I would just be rather more be engaged with my people than, uh, than not. You know, if I see somebody just in a funk, I usually go up and, uh, you know, start pestering them and ask why. And, you know, you okay? I could see there's a difference in you today. Is everything all right? And uh, that actually led to a really good culture, and it just slowly built from there. I, I wish I could say I did it on purpose, but I found it by accident. Have you found there to be a line between digging into someone's situation and even having them have an excuse between that and you know the needs of the business? Like I think some people really listening would really struggle with, 
well, you had this rule, you're, you're not following it. You're saying you can break the rules. Well, like, does anything matter now? You know, when do you, when do you, de- when do you determine when to stop giving chances or when to stop digging in? We're all human. I mean, everybody's going to make a mistake. So I take it as a case-by-case basis. I mean, we have, uh, the phrase I love to use is we have unwilling and untrained. So if I could help you with something or give you a skill set that I have or provide you with it in some way, shape, or form, and I haven't done that yet, I have every obligation to keep pouring into that person. So I don't give up too easily. Um, We do not have a high turnover rate. We keep quite a few. I mean, we've had people come in that have overstated themselves and then gone out fairly quickly. But the people that the key employees that we've had, we've had since 2014, 2015, they're still with us. Wow. You're you're leaving some tremendous clues on on how people can be better leaders of people. That curiosity is uh, clearly a invaluable tool. And being able to build that culture, because I, I think another angle is it really shows that you care. If you're willing to really dig into someone's situation and, and, and discover why they're taking the actions that they are and give them support through that, it makes sense to me that you have really low turnover because they are probably very bought into you and your shop because they see it as a place where, you know, they can be a human and obviously, I know you, you, I'm sure you're still holding performance standards and I'm sure you fired people before. Of like, course. You know, there are situations where, you know, it just isn't working. Um, but the fact that you're willing to give that chance to somebody, I think that's massive. Yeah. I mean, I, I've worked for organizations that have strict sets of rules. And even when something's wrong, you still have to follow the rule. And it does never made sense to me. So in this instance, you know, I, I'll take right over following the rules any day. I tell my teams, if they, uh, anybody on my team, if they act in the best interest of the customer, because we're all there to provide best customer service to serve. And uh, if they act in the best interest of the customer, right or wrong, I'll stand behind you every time. Yeah. So. And you're doing that with them. Absolutely. Yeah, it empowers them. It holds them. It, it just adds a whole other level of accountability that keeps them, uh, keeps them loyal. It keeps them with us. And I mean, honestly, I wouldn't trade any of them for the world. That's great, Kevin. This has been fantastic. I'm really um, grateful for your time and, and sharing this insight to how you've built such a great culture at your shop. Well, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you. That was my conversation with Kevin Roth. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe and leave a review. And I'd be honored if you shared this podcast with a fellow member of the industry. And finally, if you've got a great story to share and wish to become a guest on the show, please email me at thomas at slcautopodcast.com or call 615-656-8804. Thanks. Have a great day. No two shops are the same. That's why cookie cutter advice and coaching does not work. In order for your shop to get to the next level, you must have an action plan designed around your shop's unique needs. You'll also need accountability and encouragement along the way. Let ShopFix Academy help you create your best shop. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com.